Today we're going to continue in our series called Brand New. We're studying the book of Revelation. And today's subtitle is called The Seals. Now remember we've been studying the opening of the seven seals by the Lamb of God who was the only one who was worthy to do that in the light of our redemption. And so I must remind you that we're studying this book from the perspective of its number one purpose, which is the revelation of Jesus. Because the more we get to know about Jesus, the more we grow, the more we receive God's love, that's where the true blessing is. And remember Revelation 1 verse 3 said, whoever reads this book and, and holds on to the words of this book will be blessed. So don't think just about the end times and how it's going to unfold. Think about what is God showing me about Jesus? Because when you become fully persuaded, your faith grows and your boldness becomes dynamic. So let's dig right in. Revelations 5 and verses 9 is where we ended last week. And it says, And they sang a new song, saying, You are worthy to take the scroll and to open its seals, for you were slain and have redeemed us to God by your blood out of every tribe, every tongue, every people, and every nation. And you have made us kings and priests to our God, and we shall reign on earth. Isn't that incredible? We are going to reign on earth through the Lord Jesus Christ. But notice something so important here is we have been redeemed. It's past tense. It's already taken place. We've been redeemed back to God by Christ's precious blood, the Lamb of God. And here again we see the Lamb of God coming forth. And we see it as a picture of Jesus, the one who was slain, the one who raised from the dead, so we could have and enjoy eternal life. And look what it says here. He paid the full price for you and I. You know, there's nothing outstanding between you and God. Jesus paid it all. And so what we need to remember here is notice, where did he deliver, it, deliver us out of? Where did he take us out of? It says here in these verses that he took us out of every tribe, every tongue, every people, and every nation. Here's what that's telling me. He made us kings and priests. In other words, you are no longer who you used to be. It tells you and I that in the kingdom there's no color, there's no race, there's no language. It's all unified under the blood of Jesus Christ. And so if you have a problem with other races, if you have a problem with the language other people speak, if you have a problem with the way other people look, you better get over it. Because in Christ there is only one. It's the blood of Jesus. And we have been made kings and priests. Have a look at 1 Peter verses two, chapter 2 verses 9. It says, but you are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, his own special people. Wow, isn't that an encouraging verse? You are your own nation. As the church of God, we're no longer South African. We're no longer American. We are a holy nation. And you are special to God. That you may proclaim the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. That's how we reign, by walking in the light of who we are in Jesus Christ. 
So what John is seeing here in Revelation is an incredible picture of our all-encompassing redemption, which has already been purchased but is still in the process of unfolding and being revealed. And that we have it made real to us by the ministry of the Holy Spirit. Remember we finished last week in Psalm 103? Let's go back then. I'm just going to read from verses 2. It says, Bless the Lord, O my soul. Bless his holy name. Bless the Lord, O my soul. And forget not all of his benefits. What benefits? The benefits of our redemption. And then he lists them. There are five of them listed here. He forgives all our iniquities. He heals all our diseases. Who redeems our life from destruction. Who crowns you with loving kindness and tender mercy. Who satisfies your mouth with good things. So your youth is renewed like an eagle. Now, Your youth being renewed like an eagle is not just because he satisfies you. It's because you walk in the fullness of your redemption. And notice each of these benefits are in the plural, not in the singular. He forgives all your sin. He heals all your disease. It's in the plural. It's an ongoing linear action. In other words, it never comes to an end. You never get to a place where... The Lord or the angels or the Holy Spirit say, sorry, you've had your fair share. There's no more for you. God always has enough for you and I. Let's have a look at these benefits just for a moment. Firstly, it says he forgives all of our sins. Jesus gave you and I the greatest gift so that we can be free. But listen, you're not just free. You're free to extend that same benefit to others you're in relationship with. And that is the essence and the power of forgiveness. Jesus said it like this, freely you have received, freely you must give. I'm reminded of the story of David. And you know, after David was anointed as king, Saul came after him with everything and wanted to destroy his life, his family, and everything about him. But you know, many years later in 2 Samuel 9 verse 1, look what David said. Is there still anyone left of the house of Saul that I may show him kindness for Jonathan's Jonathan's sake? You know, anyone can return evil for evil, but it takes a great man, a man of substance like David to forgive and return kindness for evil. And that is the heart of the message of Christ. That is the heart of our redemption. We are to love and pray even for our enemies. Today, can I encourage us to live this out in our daily lives? Most often, the gift of forgiveness is not just the gift you give someone else. It is the greatest gift that you give to yourself. The next benefit is healing. And again, it says he heals all of our diseases. What is healing? Healing is simply God's ability to keep your earth suit working at maximum effectiveness so you can live your best life for him. Think about this, though. Your thoughts and your words and your well-being are closely connected. 
In other words, it's telling us this is a benefit of our covenant, but we need to cooperate and work with God in maintaining our lives. In Proverbs 16, verse 23 and 24, it says, The heart of the wise teaches his mouth and adds learning to his lips. Wow. Pleasant words are like honeycomb, sweetness to the soul and health to the bones. You see, we can't think that we can just let our thought life run all over the place in a worldly negative uh, condition and then think we're going to have the ability to speak godly words of well-being over our lives. We need to learn to operate in the mind of Christ. We need to see ourselves the way God sees us and then we'll begin to live in a whole new realm. As you and I spend time with Jesus, adjust our thinking. We won't have to think about speaking pleasant words. It will start to happen naturally. And then benefit number three is actually the redemption. And we we looked at this in, in quite some detail last week. But can I remind you, redemption means that God has brought you back from the slave block of sin and shame. And through the power of the Holy Spirit, Jesus is able to reverse the damage that has been done to us and bring a deep, complete, and real restoration into our lives. Listen to Psalm 107, verse 1 and 2. It says, Oh, give thanks to the Lord, for He is good, and His mercy endures forever. Let the redeemed of the Lord say so. For he has redeemed us from the hand of the enemy. So as we continually look at all God has done for us in Christ, it fills our lives with gratitude. Do you know that David spent as much time thanking God as he did asking God for things? You see, learning to thank God and thank others helps us to become a more giving and generous person and it gives us a grace to enlarge our lives and fulfill our redemption. In Psalm 107 verse 7 and 8, it goes on and it says, He led them forth by the right way that they might go to a city for a dwelling place. Oh, that men would give thanks to the Lord for his goodness and for his wonderful works to the children of men. Number four, the fourth benefit of our, of our salvation and redemption is it says there, He crowns your life with loving kindness and tender mercy. The word crown there in the Hebrew simply means to encircle you or surround you so as to protect you. This means you and I are completely covered by God's love. In Ephesians 3, verse 17 to 19, it says that Christ may dwell in your heart through faith, that you be rooted and grounded in love, may be able to comprehend with all the saints what is the width, the length, the depth, and the height, to know the love of Christ which passes knowledge that you may be filled with the fullness of God. You see, and that leads to the fifth benefit of redemption. Satisfaction. He satisfies your mouth with good things. You know, there was a long while in my life, many, many years back, 
we are really just wasn't satisfied in general about things. If I was absolutely honest, I really felt that I'd been hard done by in some way. And you know, the more I, I went after satisfaction in the natural and through natural things, the more my dissatisfaction increased. And you see, I had to come to realize that I was looking in the wrong place to find fulfillment. You can never be truly satisfied until you fill with his love. And when you fill with his love, you can't help but be satisfied. You see, true, honest satisfaction doesn't come from what you get. It comes from your life of surrender. And very often, surrender is costly. But surrender is not about what it costs you. It's about what you receive when you surrender. When you surrender to God, He gives you an unimaginable, never-ending fulfillment and satisfaction. Look at verse 20 and 21 of Ephesians 3, continued from the previous verse. It says, Now to Him who is able to do exceedingly abundantly above all that we ask or think, According to the power that works in us, to him be the glory in the church by Christ Jesus to all generations forever and ever. And with that, let's jump in to the fifth seal. In Revelation chapter 6 verse 9, it says, And then he opened the fifth seal. Who is the he? It's Jesus, the one who purchased our redemption. And I saw under the altar the souls of those who had been slain for the word of God and for the testimony which they held. And they cried with a loud voice saying, How long, O Lord, holy and true, until you judge and avenge our blood on those who dwell on the earth? Verse 11, then a white robe was given to each of them and it was said to them that they should rest a little while longer until both the number of their fellow servants and their brethren who would be killed as they were was completed. So here in the fifth seal being opened, we see a picture of all the martyrs before and after the rapture has taken place but especially during this tribulation period. Notice, they are given special attention. They are given a special place to reside. But more significantly, in verse 11, after they were given this white robe to wear, God says to them, they must rest a while. Why? Because we see a picture that God's mercy always exceeds his judgment. God's mercy always precedes his justice. And literally he says to them, rest a while. Why? Because he wants to give more people a chance to repent, to come into the saving knowledge of Jesus Christ. A further beautiful picture of our redemption and that God is not mad at anybody. God loves People. Have a look with me at 1 Timothy 2, verses 4 to 6. It says, Who, speaking about God, desires all men to be saved and to come to the knowledge of the truth. For there is one God and one mediator between God and men, the man Christ Jesus, who gave himself a ransom for all to be testified in due time. You see, 
We are laborers with Jesus. A further picture to you and I that our labor of love and the prayers of the saints carry weight with God. Can I ask you a question today? Are you a laborer with Christ? In Matthew 9 verse 38, Jesus makes a statement. He says, but when he saw the multitude... He was moved with compassion for them because they were weary and scattered like sheep having no shepherd. And he said to his disciples, the harvest truly is plenteous, but the laborers are few. Therefore, pray the Lord of the harvest to send out laborers into his harvest. Church, can I encourage you today? We need to connect our lives to Jesus and his purpose. What is that? Saving lives. And making disciples. Connect your life through your finances, through using your time and using your talent to build the church and to reach the community for Christ. Now we look at the sixth seal. And the sixth seal speaks about, in Revelation 6 verses 12, let's read. I looked when he opened the sixth seal and behold there was a great earthquake. And the sun became black as sackcloth of hair, and the moon became like blood, and the stars of heaven fell to the earth as a fig tree drops its late figs. And when it was shaken, and when it was shaken by a mighty wind, then the sky receded as a scroll when it was rolled up, and every mountain and island was moved out of its place, and the kings of the earth The great men, the rich men, the commanders, the mighty men, every slave and every free man hid themselves in the caves and in the rocks of the mountains and said to the mountains and the rocks, fall on us and hide us from the face of him who sits on the throne from the wrath of the Lamb. For the great day of his wrath has come and who is able to stand? The sixth seal is by far probably the most scariest. And uh, what we see here is the description of a cosmic catastrophe inconceivable by humankind. It only can be, it can, it can not only be interpreted literally, but it also needs to be interpreted spiritually. And literally, the seven structures of creation, seven different classes of mankind are affected. But it's a real picture to you and I. That in the end, all men are equal. No matter how much you have, or how little you have, or what race or nation you come from, we are all the same before God. And we all have to do with the living God. And you know what the incredible thing? It says there that they actually ask the mountains to fall on them and hide them. You know why? Because even at this point, people still refuse to repent and acknowledge Jesus as their Savior. Look what Hebrews 12 verse 27 to 29 says about this. Now yet this, yet once more, indicates the removal of of those things that are being shaken as of things that are made that the things which cannot be shaken may remain. Therefore, since we are receiving a kingdom which cannot be shaken, let us have grace by which we may serve God acceptably with reverence and godly fear. For our God is a consuming fire. There are a few other scriptures you can go and look at in reference to this. Luke 23, 
verses 27 to 30, and Isaiah 2, verses 17. This sixth seal appears to you and I to begin the final phase of his wrath. However, there is still more. This is just a precursor to a time of huge social upheaval, the rise and fall of different nations. And let me just take an interlude here. Many scholars believe that it's at this point, those who believe in the mid-tribulation rapture, they believe this is the point where the church will actually be raptured three and a half years into the tribulation. Now, we, we don't believe that. We believe the church is already raptured and in heaven with God and with Jesus, clothed in the white robes, worshiping God. But I wanted to put that in there just to clarify. Now we go into chapter 7. And chapter 7 is parenthetical. In other words, it explains and clarifies some things that are happening at this time. And what we see here in chapter 7 is it teaches us about the two companies of God's redeemed who are still on the earth. For you and I, it's a strong confirmation that the church has indeed already been raptured. But let's read from verses 1 and we'll see this first company. After these things, I saw the four angels standing at the four corners of the earth, holding the four winds of the earth, that the wind should not blow on the earth, on the sea, or on any tree. Then I saw another angel ascending from the east, having the seal of the living God, and he cried with a loud voice to the four angels to whom it was granted to harm the earth and the sea, saying, Do not harm the earth, the sea, or the trees, till we have sealed the servants of our God on their foreheads. And I heard the number of those who were sealed, 144,000 of all the tribes of the children of Israel were sealed. So this first company speaks to us and explains to us the 144,000 in the book of Revelation. And it's the sealing on their foreheads of the 144,000 that begins to unpack who they really are. They are Jews that supernaturally get born again after the rapture of the church, and they go forward as the end-time evangelists of God's kingdom. Now, we know for sure that they are Jews and not Gentiles, because it tells us in verses 5 to 8 that they come out of the tribes of Israel. As a matter of fact, there are 12,000 from each of the tribes of Israel, and we know there were 12 tribes, which makes up the 144,000. Now remember, without the seal of God, all those who get born again during the tribulation period will be martyred for their faith because they do not take the mark of the beast. But these 144,000 end-time tribulation evangelists are supernaturally protected from being killed because of the seal of God that is upon them. Chapter 7 also speaks about a second company. Let's read on in verses 9. After these things I looked, and behold a great multitude, which no one could number, of all nations, tribes, people, and tongues, standing before the throne and before the Lamb, clothed with white robes, with palm branches in their hands, crying out with a loud voice, saying, Salvation belongs to our God, who sits on the throne and to the Lamb. 
The second company speaks about the tribulation saints made up of both Jews and Gentiles who are saved after the rapture by the ministry of the 144,000 Jewish ministers. The white robes and the palm branches that they're carrying speak of their righteousness and their victory that they are walking in. Even although they were martyred, they were martyred because of their belief. Look at verse 11. It's such an incredible picture of jubilation and victory. And it says, All the angels stood around the throne, and the elders and the four living creatures fell on their faces before the throne and worshipped God, saying, Amen. Blessing and glory and wisdom. Thanksgiving and honor and power and might be to our God forever and ever. Amen. Then one of the elders answered, saying to me, Who are these arrayed in white robes? And where did they come from? And I said to him, Sir, you know. So he said to me, These are the ones who come out of the great tribulation and washed their robes and made them white in the blood of the Lamb. Another reminder of the all-encompassing redemption of our Lord Jesus Christ. This is a beautiful picture of all the martyred Christians, martyred for their faith by the Antichrist because they would not receive the mark of the beast and deny their faith. It goes on in verses 15 and it says, Therefore they are before the throne of God and they serve him day and night in his temple. And he who sits on the throne will dwell among them. For the lamb who is in the midst of the throne will shepherd them and lead them to living fountains of waters. Listen to this. And God will wipe away every tear from their eyes. And then we get to the seventh seal. Revelation chapter 8, verses 1 to 6. And when he opened the seventh seal, there was silence in heaven for about half an hour. And I saw the seven angels who stand before God, and them to them were given seven trumpets. And then the, another angel, having a golden censer, came and stood at the altar. He was giving much incense, incense that he should offer it with the prayers of all the saints upon the golden altar which was before the throne. And the smoke of the incense with the prayers of the saints ascended before God from the angel's hand. Then the angel took the censer, filled it with fire from the altar, and threw it to the earth. And there were noises, thunderings, lightnings, and an earthquake. So the seven angels who had the seven trumpets prepared themselves to sound. Now notice, remember last week we spoke about the thunderings, the lightning and the voices. Do you see it coming up here as it goes out to the earth to bring forth a culmination of God's will for the end times? It's a reminder to you and I as well that the prayers of the saints are not only powerful, but they are effective and never wasted. There's a steady minutes of silence. It says about 30 minutes. All of heaven suddenly waits in awestruck anticipation for the fulfillment of God's purposes. It doesn't signify necessarily a specific time, but rather a brief moment where there's this anticipation and reflection on God's greatness. Now, here's the powerful thing. The events 
of the seventh seal are actually the blowing of the seven trumpets, which are the seven judgments of God on the earth, marking the intensifying of the great tribulation, which only concludes with Christ's triumphant return in Revelation 19, verses 11 to 16, when Jesus comes back riding on his white horse. And that's where we'll pick it up next week. Now we're going to put up two diagrams. And these diagrams signify firstly the seven seals. Remember the white horse, deception. The red horse, war. The black horse, famine. And the pale horse, pestilence. Or a quarter of mankind dies because of these four. Then today we studied the fifth seal, the martyrdom. And the amplification or intensifying of the great tribulation. The sixth seal, the heavenly signs. And now there's the spirit of silence in heaven. As the seventh seal is opened, the start of the trumpets blowing. And we see the seven trumpets, which we'll look at next week. The blowing of the seven trumpets, bringing the seven judgments of God. And that's where we'll pick it up next week. I hope you've enjoyed the teaching today and I hope you've got something powerful out of it as we grow together in the revelation of the Lamb of God, Jesus Christ, our Savior. Let's pray together. Father, thank you for your word. Thank you that we're growing in our experience and revelation of how awesome and beautiful and wonderful our Savior Jesus Christ truly is. I pray for every person today that, Lord, they would experience your supernatural faith and the increase of grace in their lives this week. If you're here today and you've never made Jesus the Lord of your life, it would be such an honor to pray for you and lead you in the prayer of salvation. Perhaps you just want to rededicate your life today. Well, you can pray this prayer as well because God looks at your heart. Simply pray it out loud with me and be sincere in your heart. Father God, I believe today that Jesus is the Son of God, that He died on the cross and that You raised Him from the dead so that I could receive forgiveness and eternal life. I make Jesus the Lord of my life today and I thank You for saving me. Amen. Now if you prayed that prayer or if you have a prayer request today, would you send us an email or send us a WhatsApp We would love to communicate with you, send you a Bible if you don't have one, and we'd love to walk with you as you begin to serve the Lord Jesus Christ. God bless you. It's been such a joy meeting with you today. And don't forget, if you'd like to sow into our ministry, the SnapScan code is appearing on your screen right now. Or you can go to rscfc.com and you can uh, download the, the banking details and you can do an EFT. And if you have any questions about our church, you're so welcome to send us an email or give us a call during the week. We'd love to see you. God bless you. Have a great week this week. Don't forget, we do have small groups on the WhatsApp platform. We still have our Bible study and communion on Thursdays at half past six. And we look forward to seeing you really soon. God bless you.